0: Bow to the law and the things they were demanding him but there he didn't um paul said later in one of his letters he said i became all things to all men that i might win some and paul had great discernment in times i mean i mean what was what was going to hurt to do this the the, the, the ceremonial cleansing was going to hurt anything to do that no but he said i become all things to all men that i might win some other things he said hey if you're requiring this for salvation keep me out of it so he used this wisdom and it's just a wonderful passage to see and learn from paul there uh well um I also was thinking about that, and just as we were singing, too, thinking about God and the great God that we have, and we were singing glory in the highest. And I think about the God that Paul worshiped, the, the, the Christ that Paul preached, and he is the God of all. He is the God of, in the highest, and we we're going to sing glory in the highest, just as the angels sang. And <clears throat> but I thought about that in, in, in the highest. And the highest that we kind of think of and can't even imagine in some ways is, is space, right? I mean, it's high. And this week we, we sent up the Orion capsule. I don't know if you all knew that. And it went two times in orbit around uh, the uh um Earth and then it splashed down, right, in the Pacific Ocean. And there to retrieve it on a naval ship was one of our very own. Do you all know that? Maybe y'all know Sarah Rieger, who works for NASA, and it's Jared's fiance. He's marrying a rocket scientist, all right. And uh um so she was part of the the, the small group of people of NASA on the Navy ship that retrieved the Orion out of the water to begin to do tests on it, stuff like that. And But just think about space, wow, in the highest, and he's beyond our greatest imagination. I mean, Sarah is a part of that, and that's a pretty big deal, I think, but we're part of something even greater, and so is Sarah, right? That we get to sing and worship the God in the highest, and that's our prayer that we can do that this morning, even together at Grace. So this time, I want to dismiss our children um, up through the fifth grade for uh, children's worship, so you can head out this way. All right, Miss Unger has the sign today. Grace kids, follow the sign. And if the rest of you will grab your Bibles, your copy of God's word and turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Bye, buddy. And we'll have them rejoin us here in just a little bit. Galatians chapter 3. And just to remind you, in in January, I think 6th Sunday, January, we'll start our next book that we'll be studying through. We'll be studying through Habakkuk, all right? One of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, excited about that. But this morning, we're in Galatians 3. So let me read uh, Galatians um, 3, verses 6 through 9. Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9. Even so, Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for just hearing the reading of your word. Thank you for this passage here in Galatians, as Paul writes to the churches of Galatia. Uh, these important truths and lord not only did he write and you write through him but lord this is for us today so lord i pray you'd open our hearts our minds Uh, lord allow your word to um, dwell deep within us lord so that we might be changed more and more in the likeness of jesus and we pray this in his name amen well um uh, this week as i was preparing this and and thinking about um what to preach on this sunday we're going to be baptizing six people and Uh, I I thought about this passage, but as I was preparing it and kind of finishing things up, really, um, my son Jonathan sent me an email with a link to it. And as I looked at what this went to, uh, I thought, this is perfect. This is exactly what Paul was dealing with in his day. So let let me explain to you. Uh, There there was statistics that were gathered recently in a survey by LifeWay Resources. And some of the questions asked in the survey were about essential truths in Christianity. Uh, not, 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 not things that are in a gray area. Not some of the things in the end times that we can all dicker about and still be believers, right? Uh, we can still love Jesus and be born again and, and maybe differ in some of the end times and just different. When those, these are essential truths of the Christian faith, and they ask these questions. So, and the survey was taken among those who consider themselves evangelicals. Okay, we're not talking about Roman Catholics. We're not talking about people who call themselves Christians, even like Mormons that would call themselves Christians. Like, we're talking about people who would call themselves evangelicals, who would believe, should believe the things that were in these questions. So let me show you those. It kind of builds up. Uh, to, so here, here's the first one. God the Father is more divine than Jesus. 31% that were surveyed agreed or don't know. That is scary. it's exactly right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... Three and one remember three persons one being they're all fully divine but 31% of these people who can claim to be evangelical did agree that the father is more divine than Jesus or they didn't know yeah, how about this one Jesus is the first creature created by God 27 agree, 27 agree or don't know he is not a created being he's eternal Firstborn among brethren Means nothing about being created well i don't have time to go into that. I want to get to the last one okay last one or nothing I mean the next one the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being fifty eight percent agree or don 't know who was here when I did the series on, on on the Holy Spirit right you remember that yeah we need to we need to teach correctly about the Holy Spirit, so we know who world. we would never answer that right but some many people fifty eight percent agree he 's a personal force, not a personal being. Uh, the Holy Spirit is less divine. It should say, God, the Father, and Jesus. 18% agree or don't know. So in Acts, when Ananias and Pharaoh said that they lied to the Holy Spirit, turned around the next verse, and you lied to God. So which one was it? Yes, both. <laughs> God, the Holy Spirit, right? So, yeah, but scary. God loves me because of the good I do or have done. 18% agree or don't know. We're in trouble. If God loves us based upon what we do, we are in trouble. And here we go. Last one. People must contribute their own effort for personal salvation. 56% agree or don't know. All of these are disturbing, but none is more disturbing than this one because it's the heart of the truth about how people are made right with God. 56% of evangelicals agree or don't know with that statement. Yet the thought that people must contribute their own effort to their personal salvation has been around since the beginning of the church. In fact, it's been around since Genesis 3. As Adam and Eve took coverings which were insufficient, they took they took leaves and they tried to cover themselves, trying to, to make themselves right with God through their own personal means. And did God say, Oh, perfect. Those are the exact leaves you should have used. You're good. No, he didn't. In fact, he had to kill. He had to clothe them with. He clothed them with animal skins. So what happened to get the animal skins? What had to die? An animal had to die. Something innocent had to die for those who were guilty. Which was the beginning. Of course, right before that in Genesis three fifteen, we had the promise, the first promise of the Messiah, Jesus. But right after he closed them, to say, your works are insufficient. You could never do enough. From the beginning of the church, the, the, this heresy, this thought that we. We work for salvation has been there. And in Paul's letter to the church of Galatia, or the churches of Galatia, there's many that actually received this letter. It was circular. He addresses this, this heresy. Uh, in, in fact, he, there's two main heresies he addresses in Galatians. We don't have time to study the whole book this morning. Aren't you glad? Um, but, uh, um, uh, but there's two main heresies that he addresses. One is legalism, which is working to earn our salvation. And, and the second one is license. Those who are saved, can just do whatever they want. They're, they're saved for heaven, but they can live like hell. All right, and that's what he dealt with here. Legalism and license. And, and, and Paul stresses the seriousness of these two errors at the very beginning of this letter. Look with me there in Galatians, uh, verses 6 through 9. I just want to read uh, you this, because this is the only letter that Paul writes and begins with, an, with, with not an encouraging word, but, but he's a little upset As you'll see, look what he says there in verse 6. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed, anathema, eternally condemned. Is he serious about what he's getting ready to address? You bet, because it's the heart of the gospel. This is how you're made right with God. And, and it, it, so this morning, we're going to be looking at, at Paul's refutation just of the, the, the legalism part, at least part of what he does. He does it throughout the book, but these, these few verses we just read, he's going to address the legalism aspect. Someone trying to earn their way to be made right with God. Um, And so look with me at chapter 3 there. In in the first five verses, let me just summarize those because we're not going to be able to cover them this morning. Uh, Paul calls the people receiving this letter to remember that their salvation was not by keeping the law or doing good works, but by placing their faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ and his payment for sin on their behalf. Uh, they, they, They had trusted in Christ and what he had done, not in what they did. Remember that? Christianity is different from all other worldviews because it spells how we're made right with God differently, right? It's a spelling issue. All other worldviews spell it like this, D-O. It's what you do. But Christianity spells it this D-O-N-E. It's what he's done. It's what he's done. That's what makes us right with God. Does, does something happen? Do we do differently? Yes, after what he's done? You bet. But it's not what we do. And so they had trusted in what he did, not what they had done. And after proving their justification by faith alone, by pointing to the Galatians' personal understanding, in a sense of their personal experience, they knew that this was the truth. They had, nobody had called them to do certain works and then trust in Christ. They had called them to trust in Christ, and that's what they had done. So he tells them in verses 1-5, through five, remember, this is how you were made right with God, through faith alone. So now in verses 6-9, he, he's going to point to the Scriptures for proof That it's justification or that we are saved, made right with God by faith alone. Not faith plus something. Uh, And he does this really in Galatians 6, verses 3, 6 through 14. There's there's six references to the Old Testament. He's pointing back to the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, The Judaizers, uh, people who uh, came out of a Jewish background, were promoting this. They promoted... They were all about faith in Christ. They believed that, but it was faith plus works, faith plus keeping the law, and then at the end, maybe you do enough to get in. That's kind of scary, since His standards of perfection, right? That's what they were teaching, they, and, and so their 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 way of salvation was was wrong. And and Paul wants to remind these believers who are being deceived that there's always been one way to be made right with god and that's through faith alone faith alone well many of you all can probably remember when you bought your first house or car or or another big item maybe a house i I just remember when john and i bought our first house helen this is no offense okay to realtor and, and Kelly too, both of them sitting there. Right? This is no offense, but we bought our first house and we negotiated with price through a realtor, and and uh, and they came back and finally we, we settled on a price. But when we went to sign all the papers, they said, okay, well then you have this fee and this fee and this fee and PMI. We got out of that by doing two loans, and uh, but there's some ways to get around that. But we, this was just some some realtor uh, advice. <laughs> That's about all I can give. But we, and all of a sudden, it wasn't this price we had agreed upon. It was more than that. It, it was more than And maybe you, you've been there before. That you agree upon a price. You see a price. You, you go buy a car. It, it's more than what the, the price you... Because you need know, taxes, and everybody taxes it, right, on your car. And, and so it's not exactly what you thought, thought. The advertised price is really not the final price. And this is exactly what the Judaizers were presenting to people in the churches of Galatia. They were saying justification was by faith. But before you sign on the dotted line, let me tell you all the extras. It's exactly what they were doing. It, it, by, by you, you got to be circumcised. you got to celebrate certain religious days. You have to eat certain foods. You have to just obey the works of the law. Of course, if we wanted to go that way, there's 613 of them. Just try to remember 613. But that's the way they were going. And in reality, it wasn't through faith and lo- alone, which is meant... Uh, w- 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 which is really a system of works. Think about this. If they say faith alone, and they say, well, you have to then do this, 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 and this in order to be made right with God, is that by grace through faith? Mm-mm. In fact, it's a whole works-based system. They were masking it. You know, the only problem with rat poisoning, yes, it's 98% oatmeal, but it's 2% arsenic, arsenic and the arsenic will kill you. They said faith alone. But they went on. And in fact, Paul addresses this in Romans eleven six. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. You've heard me say this before. You've been here. Christian radio station, they'll say, hey, they'll be promoting something. They call in for your free book. And you call in for your free book. And they say, yeah, you will need a donation of 10 bucks. That is not a free gift. That is not grace. That is of works. And that's exactly what was happening. It was of works. They were saying, it's free. Well, hold on. There's a catch. And there's no catch. But that's exactly what they were teaching. And Paul says, no way. That's not of God. Well, this is why it's so important for Paul to defend justification or being saved through faith alone, being made right with God. It has been and has always been the truth from Genesis 3 on that we are saved through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. So let's look at this passage here in these, these, these four verses. And I want to point out three truths concerning faith alone so that you can marvel at the grace of God this morning. Uh, I, I've shortened this. great great. We could spend a lot more time, I believe me. In fact, I probably will even shorten it more as we go. All right? We have six people to be baptized. We want to make sure we, we do get out here at a decent hour. But, um, uh, but look, the first truth I want us to see is Abraham was justified by faith alone. Abraham was justified by faith alone. Look with me there at verse 6. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Notice, uh, look at the phrase, um, even so, Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him. Your translation may say counted to him or credited to him as righteousness. It's the equivalent of the word justified, which means to be made right by having righteousness that is not your own, credited to your account. Okay? Somebody takes righteousness that's not yours and they put it in your account. It's credited to you. It's it's reckoned to your account. In this case, it's referring to being made right with God or or, or be counted as righteous before God by having the righteousness of Christ taken from his account and put in yours. Now, notice the first words there in verse 6. Even so, or just as, or consider, depending on your translation... Paul is pointing back to what he just taught in verses 1-5. through Paul is basically saying, just as you Galatians were justified through faith alone, so was Abraham justified through faith alone. He was made right with God through faith alone. Now, Why is it so important for Paul to establish the fact that Abraham was justified by faith alone? Why is that so important? Why would he bring that up? Why couldn't he just cut off after verse 5? Well, remember who's deceiving them. People with a Jewish background who were Claiming yes, we believe that Christ came; that He was the Messiah, and we need to believe in Him. But we also need to do boom, 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 and then we'll be justified. This is important because the Judaizers were calling on the Old Testament for proof that you are justified justified by faith plus works. That's what they were doing. But look at the Old Testament; they were saying, "Hey, look at the Old Testament. It teaches that." Yeah, you have faith alone in the Messiah who's going to come is important. But then you've got to do certain works in order to be justified. And they would probably even point to Abraham as their poster child for what they were teaching. Uh, so if Paul could prove otherwise, that Abraham wasn't justified by faith plus things, other things, then he would have Abraham on his side. And you want Abraham on your side when it comes to dealing with the jewish nation and coming to deal with truth so look at verse six in verse six paul he does just that when he turns the table on the judaizers and teaches correctly about the about abraham to show abraham was not justified by by works and the law but instead through faith alone how does he do this look at the second half of verse six It says believe god and was credited to him as righteousness this is a quote from genesis 15 quote from genesis 15 6 actually i want you to turn over in your bibles or in your electronic device that has a copy of god's word on it um to genesis 15 i want you to see this look at verses 1 through 6 all right beginning in verse 1 after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless and the heir of my house, is Eleazar of Damascus and Abraham, Abram said, Since you have given, me, given no offspring to me, one born of my house is my heir. Then, be, then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, "Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them." And he said to him, "So shall your descendants be." Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned, reckoned it to him as righteousness. See, there's the quote right here from verse six. We see here that God promised Abraham that his offspring would be would be more numerous than the, he could count stars in the sky. And this was highly unlikely, right, Abraham's Abraham's old age and the fact he didn't even have a son at this point. And then it says in verse 6 there uh, that that God um, responded, or Abraham responded to this truth, to this message of truth from God. He says he believed in the Lord and he reckoned to him his righteousness. So what, what do you see here? Paul's pointing back to the Old Testament, which the Judaizers would be pointing back to. They would be pointing to Abraham, certain things Abraham did. But Paul points back to this foundational verse concerning how Abraham was made right with God. It said he what? Believed. He placed his faith, he placed his trust in the trustworthiness of God and God's promise to him. That's what he did. And ultimately, this was fulfillment of Genesis 3, 15. After Adam and Eve sinned, you all remember this? And then he gives the curse to the serpent... And he says there will be, speaking of the sermon, there will be enmity, all right, war, difficulty between your seed and her seed, speaking of uh, coming through the woman, all right, and then all of a sudden it changes, and he, oh, personal pronoun male, masculine, will bruise you on the head, and so doing, you will bruise him on the heel. Speaking of the Messiah, Jesus, who would crush the serpent's head when he died on the cross, and this was a promise that the seed is spelled out all through the Old Testament and then Jesus is the fulfillment of the seed. And it's going to through Abraham's descendants as that comes. So Abraham didn't understand all this, but he believed that God was going to do this miraculous thing and he trusted in the Word of God, which was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's what he did. He trusted. And this, this, this is Paul's very point to the Galatians. Abraham was declared right before God. He was justified. It was reckoned to him as righteousness through faith alone. Did you, did you see him do any certain work there? Did he do four backflips, offer 17 sacrifices? No. He believed. He trusted in the Word of God. Now, we need to ask another question before Paul's point is proven. Did God declare Abraham as righteous before or after circumcision? Before or after circumcision? Because this was huge for the Judaizers. I mean, you had to be circumcised if you were going to be made right with God. So look at Genesis 17, 10. And we'll prove, we'll see what it says It's later on Genesis. He's pointing back to Abraham. This is my covenant, which you shall keep. The Lord speaking between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Okay, circumcision was an outward sign to remind the J- Jewish people of their covenant of God's covenant to them, and an illustration for their continual need for spiritual cleansing. This is interesting though. That's Genesis what seventeen. Genesis fifteen. Is before Genesis 17, right? We can see that. And this is a chronological order. In fact, it's 14 years after God declared Abraham righteous. He made him right because he believed. And circumcision came later. It came after this. He has now proven, Paul has now proven beyond a shadow of doubt that Abraham was justified by faith alone apart from the works of the law. And and this is significant, of course, because the law... um, Uh, and and, and the institution of the law didn't come to 430 years later either. So how would Abraham kept the law to make himself right with God since it didn't even exist yet? Of course it did in the heart of God but Abraham didn't know anything about it. Abraham was justified by faith while he was made right with God because of God declaring him right and Abraham believing in God's word so first we see the first truth we see about faith alone is abraham was justified by faith alone the second truth i want us to see here in this passage this morning is sons of abraham are justified by faith alone so first abraham was justified by faith alone secondly sons of abraham are justified by faith alone look with me at verse 7 therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of abraham uh, notice again therefore be sure this is pointing back um, and maybe you said know then your translation may say or understand then he, he's drawing on what he's talked, before, talked about before pointing to verse 6 that Abraham was justified by faith alone the, the words translated be sure or know or understand they're an imperative he's commanded him, based upon the fact that Abraham was justified by faith alone be sure know for sure what I'm getting ready to see is true as true as can get listen up is what he's saying to what I'm getting ready to say what does he says? He says it is those who are of, of faith or those who believe who are sons of Abraham. Notice first that Paul is teaching how one becomes a son or a child of Abraham. How does one become a child or son of Abraham? That was important. Well, notice it doesn't say that it is those who obey the law who are sons of Abraham. Doesn't say that, does it? Not at all. There's not even a hint of that instead he says in order to be a son of abraham you must follow the example of abraham who is justified by faith alone follow his example in fact that's the first thing that 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 we, we i want you to know is to follow abraham's example here follow his example in believing and trusting in god's promise and now we have a full revelation of that promise don't we we know the fulfillment of that promise was found in christ we follow his example by trusting in christ and, and and look go on and look now in verse eight, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "All nations will be blessed in you." Now notice the last phrase there in verse eight, "All nations will be blessed in you." This is Paul's second Old Testament quote to prove this his point, and it's taken from genesis two places genesis twelve three and genesis eighteen eighteen genesis twelve three and genesis eighteen eighteen Paul explains the significance of this Old Testament quote, but what he says in the first part of verse 8 in Galatians 3, is: notice again it says, The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. The divine author of Scripture, who is God, announced to Abraham the good news, or the word gospel we have in our passage, that Gentiles would be justified by faith also. It wasn't just Abraham and his descendants... But Gentiles will be justified, made right with God the same way Abraham was. He announced this to Abraham. And Paul's saying, hey, he announced this to Abraham. This is nothing new. So the Judaizers say, No, no, first you have to become a Jew. And then you can become a Christian. Wrong. That's what Paul's saying. He would say, you're wrong. That's not what the Old Testament Scripture te- spe- teaches. The very thing you're pointing to. God announced this to Abraham that it would be the same way for gentiles and jews he, he's, he's teaching here that it's not about bloodline it's not about physical descent so the second thing that we need to know here is physical lineage is powerless physical lineage is powerless and shamefully we even use our physical lineage to sometimes say that we're right with god well you I, my, my grandma man she was a prayer warrior yeah how about you my grandma, she believed in God. She trusted in Christ. Yeah, how, how about you? My parents, man, they took me to church all the time. And they really trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, how about you? See, there's no grandchildren in heaven. Spiritual grandchildren. There's only spiritual children, and it's not of your parents. We're born of God. We become sons of Abraham in the same sense. I will show you here. It, 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 this fact that the physical lineage is powerless was an insult an insult to the Judaizers and the Jewish people. What? I mean, they could name you their whole... I mean, you're talking about family tree. You know, we like to get on geology sites and stuff, trace it. Oh, but just go to them. They wouldn't even have to have a computer to do it. They'd go all the way back to Abraham because they trusted in that. They trusted in their bloodlines. If you remember when we were going through uh, the Gospel of John in John 8, Jesus is having this conversation with these Jews, and they're saying, hey, we're made right with God because we're descendants of Abraham. So look what, how Jesus responds, if you didn't remember, look at this. Uh, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word is no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. I love this. They, don't do this to somebody, please. They answered and said to him, Abraham is your, our father. Jesus said, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. Then later in verse 44, you are the father of the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. Be careful about that, all right? Um, in the right context, maybe. But Jesus acknowledges their physical lineage, doesn't he? So you're exactly right. You are descendants of Abraham, and there's a blessing in that for them. But, but since they did not do the deeds of Abraham, and, and, and the greatest deed of Abraham, in a sense, it wasn't a, a work for Mary, but it was a, a work in the sense he did something, this is what he did. He believed in God. He believed in the Messiah that was to come. That's the greatest deed of Abraham, believing, putting his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't know all about Jesus yet, but he believed in the promise of God, which was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, didn't he? That's what he did. And, and, And he's saying, if you did the deeds of Abraham, yeah, you'd be sons of Abraham, the important way, but you don't, because you're trusting in your own selves. The real sons of Abraham are people, regardless whether they're Jew or Gentile, regardless of their physical lineage, regardless of their genealogy, are those who have been justified through faith alone, just like their father Abraham. Let me ask you this question are you a son of Abraham this morning are you a son of Abraham have you trusted in Christ alone to be made right with God if not then I beg you this morning transfer your trust from yourself and your own righteousness your own works maybe your own lineage maybe the fact that you go to church all the time or read your Bible all those things it's not bad but they don't make you right with God transfer your trust from those things to Christ alone and that's what makes us sons of Abraham. That's what makes us right before God. Because we trust in his work, not in our own. Well, the third thing I want us to see, the third truth I want us to see concerning faith alone is the Abrahamic blessing is received by faith alone. The Abrahamic blessing is received by faith alone. Look, look at verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Ooh, I like that. Who likes blessing? I'm in. All okay, seven people here this morning, dude. All right, the rest of you need to wake up, all right? But, um are blessed with abraham and it's those who are of faith right they have faith it says they're blessed with abraham being blessed with abraham is also a quote all right uh all the nations of you be blessed also an old testament quote from genesis 15 and even actually back in genesis 12 uh, this is this is a promise of blessing is for all chil- This 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 promise of blessing is for all children of abraham all children of abraham who have been justified by faith alone so what's the blessing referred to here well let me just say this i'm not going to get into this i think you can go to other passages and say that part of the blessing has to do with something in the end times no matter what your understanding of the end times might be all right there's something in future that will be fulfilled in the blessing of abraham But the greatest thing in context, we want to be context, what is he talking about here? What is his whole emphasis here? It's not about the end times. It's about being blessed in Abraham, who are sons by faith, who are justified. That's the greatest blessing that we can be made right with God. Those that the Scripture says were enemies of God, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were by nature children of wrath. We did not seek God. We rebelled against God. It says that about all human beings. In one way or the other, we did those things. It says that those people, that us people, can be made right with God by his grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the greatest blessing of Abraham, isn't it? What do you think Abraham was thinking? Yeah, the end times. He's talking about the end times when he's going to bless me. No, he wasn't thinking about that at all. And I don't think that's but Paul's emphasis here. He's talking about being made right with the God of the universe by faith alone. What a blessing that is. I and mean, we don't need anything else. Just stop right there. I don't even really care about the end times when it comes to that. I'm done. That's the greatest blessing I can even think of. It's going to be better. It's going to be more things. I'm not saying that's not important. But this is the thing that Paul is pointing to. And, and this justification also promises an ultimate future glorification. Go to many passages, but you can think about Romans eight twenty nine through 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he, whom he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Those he justified, it doesn't say he might glorify and in fact it uses a perfect tense, past action, completed action, with the result state of being, to emphasize how sure this is. If you're justified, you will be glorified. Wow. What a blessing. Well, in Genesis fifteen, um, we're also seeing when I don't have this is one I would love to go in depth in. I don't have time to go in, but in Genesis fifteen, right after he declares abraham righteous by putting his faith in what he told him he goes to this covenant ceremony all right and he seals it basically as an unconditional covenant he basically says abraham it won't be about what you do that keeps this covenant it'll be about what i do and he takes these animals and he cuts them apart and separates them and normally i need your help come on normally you cut the animals apart all right and 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 here's the deal we're gonna we're gonna make a covenant all right you're gonna let me drive your new ferrari when you get it all right i know this is one of his dreams all Right. he's a car guy all right so so and 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 we're gonna swear on this you're gonna swear on this and i won't wreck it i'll swear that to you all right so i just cut these animals up and and on these animals on the death of these animals in fact if i don't keep my promise you don't keep your promise i'm clearing my life you can kill me and you're going to declare that to me we're going to hold hands We're going to hold hands like this the other way because we're going to walk this way. And we're going to walk between here. And we just ratified that covenant. All right? Go ahead and sit down. All right? That's not what happened in Genesis 15. You see this fire representing God. Abraham is over here asleep seeing this. And God walks alone through the pieces to ratify the covenant. So who's responsible for keeping the covenant? God or Abraham? God is. That's how sure this covenant, this blessing, this promise will be. Go read it. It's an amazing thing. I didn't have time to really go into it, but that's what happened. He ratified the covenant and said, this is an unconditional covenant. So those who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who believe in my promises, which are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, will be made right with me. They'll be justified before me because of what Christ did and what I did through him. Woo! That's good stuff. Whether well, you think so or not. I'm excited about that because it's truth. It gives me hope. It gives you hope. Well, Paul through the scriptures here has clearly proven that Abraham was justified by faith alone, and, and it's always been the means of justification or being made right with God or being saved, whatever you want to say. He's also proven that it's those who wish to be justified uh, in, in with God do that the same way, just like Abraham. And it's extremely important to correct to, to the correct interpretation and understanding of all of God's word. That understand, we can't miss this. I've repeated it a hundred times this morning, maybe. That it's always been that way. Justification with God, being made right with God, has always been through faith alone. Now, now, we've been talking about this word faith, right? It's the New Testament word called pistis, all right? You get pistuio, you get all these other forms of the word. But it means to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance upon. To believe, all right, to the extent of a complete trust and reliance on. So what, then, does the New Testament teach as the meaning of justifying or saving faith? Saving faith, or belief, is much more than believing in some facts, right? So if we just believe facts about what Jesus did, it qualifies us to be a demon. James chapter 1, the demons believed and shuddered. They believed who Jesus was. They believed all the facts about Jesus, so that can't be what he's talking about. There is facts when you understand what Christ did. But see, it's a trust. It's a believing on the promises and provision of God. It's not believing in Christ. It's believing on Christ. You see the difference? I'm trusting my life on Christ and what he did. I'm not just believing in what he did. I'm trusting on what he did. It's a matter of transferring, right, our trust for our eternal destiny from ourselves and anything that we might do. To the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. And the saving faith changes a person. This is another thing that Paul gets into, and I, I don't want to time to get into the whole license thing. It doesn't mean, okay, we're justified by faith alone, and then we live like hell the rest of our life. <laughs> because justifying faith changes from the inside out, gives you a new heart, and makes you a new creation. You want to do what's right. Do we always do what's right? No, we don't. But we want to, and there's a desire, and there's, there's, it's not about perfection, it's about direction in our life. Right? We're, we're changing from the inside out. That's what happens. And in fact, Paul brings this up in Galatians 6.15 near the end of this letter. He says this. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision. He said, well, I'm, not un, I'm, I'm uncircumcised, so I'm right with God because I don't even get into that circumcision stuff. That's not what it's about either. He says, but a new creation. When you're justified by faith alone, he changes you from the inside out. Isn't that great news? You bet. And we'll want to grow. We'll want to know him. We'll want to love him. We'll want to we'll obey. Well, is this the kind of faith you have? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, I pray this morning you would be justified or made right with God or saved by faith alone, just like Abraham was, and just like anybody in the history of the world was. They trusted in what the Lord Jesus Christ did on their behalf. Let me just say, as we get ready to be, go to baptism, I'm going to pray here in just a few minutes, or just about a minute. The people who are being baptized this morning are not being justified with God or being saved. They already have that. They already have been, and they're doing this as an act of obedience because they love Jesus, because their heart wants to please Jesus. And he says, I want you to be baptized. To show the outward sign of the inward change, I want you to be baptized. And that's what they're doing. So they've already been made right with God, and they're doing what people who've been made right with God do. They want to obey and declare to all you what God has has done on the inside of them. So I'm going to pray. All right, And then we're going to proceed with our baptism. Our children are going to come back and join us. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, for Galatians 3, to to make this so clear. Lord, we are made right with you, not in our own doing, but because of your doing. And us believing, us accepting your gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is free. It's not that we do something to earn it, but you change us from the inside out. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are made right with you. And then, Lord, we want to please you. We want to honor you. So, Lord, I pray now as we celebrate what you have done in the lives of these six people and what you're continuing to do in them, Lord, we would celebrate your grace. And that, Lord, you have saved them by your grace as they have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for that great truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here as we uh, get ready to baptize, just if you're visiting with us here at Grace Bible Church, we believe that the Bible teaches that baptism is for those who believe. That you must believe, you must trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you see that all through the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the church is growing, beginning to grow. It was those who believe; they placed their faith in Christ. Then they were baptized. We also believe that the Greek word, not to believe, the Greek word means baptism means to submerge. Right. So we 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 believe that the Bible teaches that we we, we submerge. We believe in, in 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 submerging people in it. All right, and and in, in in the water, and it represents what Christ has done on the inside. Buried to the old person. Dead, all right, and then risen again to new life. So this is an outward sign. This is a testimony of what has happened on the inside. So just so you know, the children, our children are going to be coming back in here hopefully. Come on, kids, all right. And you, you look for your children, maybe wave them down so they can sit with you. And this is a great opportunity. It's a teaching time, isn't it? This is a great opportunity to teach your children about salvation by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone. And tell them that what's happening here, not that someone's being made right with God, but these are people who have been made right with God, and the symbolism of the water. What a great opportunity to teach these little ones. And we're also going to ask you that have little people that are like, can't walk, if you could go get them and bring them so that people in the nursery can come out here and witness this as well, and we can all celebrate together. So if you have one of those little, little people, if you could... that, that well, they're not supposed to walk if they're in, the, like, the infant times, all right? But if you have one of those that somebody's holding and they can't get in here by themselves or the teacher can't, like, lead them in here, um, if you could go grab uh, that little one and uh, then they can participate with us.